Welcome to House Call with Dr. Mack, where you get a real doc with straight talk for the whole you. Last time, we heard how heart disease presented and affected the life of a wife, a mother, grandmother, Mrs. Carolyn Mounter. It was when she couldn't complete her mile walk with her husband and ended up with quadruple bypass surgery that she states she started going back and thinking about little dots, little nuggets of time where she either one, remembered having a symptom, discomfort in the chest. She remembered having some shortness of breath where she passed it off as something else. She talked about how now in her church community, they have the red dress day. She then goes and encourages and lets people know her story that are now in the same situation. She admonishes her daughters to not put themselves on the back burner. This week, we're going to step into the office of Dr. Newton Andrews. He's a cardiologist who specializes in nuclear cardiology, cardiovascular imaging, and heart failure therapies here in the DC area. He's on the team of capital cardiology consultants at the Providence Hospital here in Washington, DC. Dr. Andrews and I sat down together and we started to try and unpack this big umbrella of heart disease. We realized that this area was just so intricate that we really need to have multiple conversations. So he has consented that we're going to start picking out certain disease processes and going back and connecting the dots of the symptomology risk factors so that you can become a partner with your physician in whole person care. Today he's going to lay the basics and we're going to go back to school. He's going to tell us some of the basic physiology and some of the basic anatomy of the heart. He's going to start tying in, little by little, some of, some of the symptomology that you may experience. And then he's going to start bringing you into his office and telling you how you present as a patient and what his role is as a provider. So, let's sit down. Let's have some conversations. Let's connect these dots. Let's get some straight talk. Welcome to House Call with Dr. Mack, where you get a real doc with straight talk for the whole you. Today, I am very excited to be in the office of Dr. Newton Andrews here at Providence Hospital. Welcome to the show, Dr. Andrews. Thank you. Um, Today, we're going to explore a very big topic, but we're going to start this in phases is what I like to say. And what I have found, in my opinion, is that there is an optimal way 
for us to function as a whole person. And in coming, in coming to this realization and this fact, I have also found that in speaking to my friends, to patients, to family members, there seems to be some, some gaps that are missing when a person tries to understand their bodies and how it works. And sometimes their perceived symptomology or what they have as a symptom on a daily basis, they don't necessarily take and translate that into that there's an organ system signaling that there's you know something going on. So what I'm proposing is that we as healthcare providers start conversations like this one that will give us a ripple effect and have start having multiple conversations in our community where we give people some tools and arm them, give more tools in their armamentarium so that they can become a partner with their health care provider, with their trusted advisor, so that they can partner in what I would consider whole person care. So that's why we're here today. We're going to start a conversation um, with you at in your specialty of cardiology. So I, I'm going to go and, and get into your story a little bit. Okay. I see that we went to the same alma mater in Huntsville, Alabama, Oakwood College, Oakwood University now. And I see you went to the Ohio State okay. University okay. <laughs> for medical school, correct? Correct. And you did residency. What did you do your residency in? Internal medicine, actually. Internal medicine. Yeah. So comprehensive care. Okay. And how is that different from family medicine? Family medicine, well, internal medicine usually is adult medicine. Okay. Family medicine encompasses um, some OB, as you know, mm -hmm. as well as um, they do pediatrics also. Okay. So they have a couple more, a broader scope of things than just internal medicine. They, um. they also do geriatric care and what have you, but um, they do a little bit of surgery also. So. Mm -hmm. They just have a lot more on their plate than the internists do. Okay. Um, either way, usually you go into cardiology from internal medicine. Most of the specialties are based on internal medicine, pulmonary, cardiology, um, GI. Mm -hmm. All of those are offshoots of internal medicine. Okay. So, um, so you do subspecialty care, which I did at Howard. Oh, and you did your subspecialty care, which is cardiology, mm -hmm. and that is considered a fellowship. Correct. How many years after after your residency did that entail? Three years. So you've gone post-college, mm -hmm. you went to medical school. Four years. Four years. You've done residency for three, three, three years. years, and then a fellowship for... Three that's a lot of school. <laughs> That's a lot and of school. And there's still so much more to learn. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Now, I, I also noticed that in your specialty of cardiology, it says that you do nuclear cardiology mm -hmm. and cardiovascular imaging, and you also specialize in heart failure therapies. Can you break those down and tell us what does that mean? Nuclear cardiology is a subspecialty sub of cardiology where we actually use radioisotopes to evaluate or for diagnostic purposes figure out what a person's major issue is that goes along with their symptoms. 
You have EKGs. You have stress testing. Okay. You have different types of stress testing, which one is just a treadmill. Then you have a litany of other types of stress testing using agents, whether it be medications, whether it be using isotopes, and different types of cameras that they use to sort of try to figure out and hone in on what the actual disease process is going on for that patient. As you know, symptoms can be a sort of an umbrella, mm-hmm. and they're kind of nonspecific. They mm-hmm. overlap. Could be like chest pain we always talk about has five main causes. Could be heart. Could be lungs. Could be the GI tract. Could be muscles and bones. It could be nerves. That's true. Mm-hmm. And so as you're talking about the whole body, understanding the relationship of when you have these symptoms come on sort of helps the physician hone in on which one he needs to concentrate on. Wow. So, therefore, you don't waste time looking for an ulcer in your stomach when your heart is failing because you know based on the certain symptoms and educating yourself, you know, hey, this sort of is a little bit more serious than every time I eat, I get burning in my chest if I eat hot spicy stuff as compared to every time I walk up these stairs I get a burning in my chest Mm -hmm. which may be more of a coronary nature than a stomach nature. I see. One will take you out faster than the other. Yes. (laughs) So it's important to sort of understand relationships. Um, Nuclear cardiology sort of helps us look at those things and sort of investigate based on physical physics principles where blood flow is going in the heart, how fast it's going, whether or not it's operating efficiently. Okay. That's one thing. Okay. Um, heart failure, again, is another umbrella. You have types mm-hmm. of heart failure where the heart is very weak. Yeah. You have heart failure where the heart is very strong, mm-hmm. but not very compliant. Yes, yes. Again, mm-hmm. like you said, yeah. we have to sort of break this up because there are yeah. many types, and each one is a little bit different. A lot of times... We always talk about when patients leave a hospital, they go home and tell their family they had a heart attack. Yes, yes. What that means is means many things to me. <laughs> exactly, <laughs> um, exactly. It's very complex, but you know, at the end of the day, the take-home message is we need to be more aware of what's going on with our heart mm-hmm. in general or our physical um, conditioning. Um, so it all actually all breaks back down to very simple things even though once we get to the hospital everything seems so complex yes Um, a lot of this stuff starts when we're kids Hmm. how so well initially when they first started finding out about coronary artery disease and atherosclerosis which is lipids or cholesterol building up in the artery was when they started doing autopsies on young kids who had come back from war hmm they died 18 years old or what have you. They started noticing these sort of streaks, called the fatty streaks on their aorta. They're like, what is that stuff? What is it? And they realized that it's cholesterol buildup that even happens as a younger age. So it starts when you're 13, 14, 15. So the education needs to start then rather than when we're in our 20s, 30s, 40s. That's when we start figuring out because our parents are dying. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. At that age, because they're now in the 60s, 70s. So you started figuring out, hey, do I need to do something? But when we really needed to do something was back in our teens. So you have all this cholesterol running around, pressure, stress, Mm. 
overweight, diabetes, mm -hmm. all of these things working together as your body tries to compensate for all of these insults, it's sort of storing away stuff and not being able to work efficiently. You lose your reserve, actually, because your body has, is, is very amazing. It has a lot of reserve to bend when it needs to bend mm -hmm. to accommodate insults mm -hmm. when it needs to accommodate, but it's not meant to do that on a continual basis. These are fail-safes that happen, so you can continue doing what you need to do, then to get back to a normal rate. Yes. But if you continue to have the insults, continue yeah. to not hmm. help the body out, it gets to a point where it can't compensate anymore. Then in our 50s, that's when we start having the symptoms. Wow. Okay. So wow. it's not a matter of disease started then. It just got to a point where the body couldn't handle it anymore. And it just said, I'm done. I'm done. I'm done. I'm I, done. Can't, I can't, can't even do, do this anymore. It's a, it's a thing that I try to impress upon my patients that, you know, physical exercise is the one major thing that you can do out of all of your risk factors that'll help. Really? It'll help. It'll bring out disease earlier. Huh. Yeah. Okay. Of course, there are some people who have run marathons and dropped dead. Right. Right. That's a whole different disease process. Okay, we're looking at. I'm glad you're saying that. Um, but the the majority of people is a functional issue. Uh -huh. The more they did earlier, the more they'll realize, hey, it's not taking me 15 minutes to walk that block anymore in the morning. It's not taking me 25 minutes. Why is it doing that? I don't know. Maybe I was just tired of that. I stayed up too late the night before, or maybe it's. My knee is hurting because I twisted it running down the stairs. Okay, let's get back to 15 minutes. I can't do it. I can't get up to 15 minutes. I need to go see somebody. So you know earlier, rather than waiting, I haven't done anything, I haven't done anything, ah, I'll walk up these steps real quick, whew, I'm tired, I'm just out of shape. Because hmm. I haven't been doing anything, my mind says I'm out of shape, but is it something that's really going on? We don't know. It may be. You're just so this out of is kind of your own quote-unquote poor man's lit litmus test. It is. But it helps us greatly because it's a functional thing. Even when we start talking about sending people to surgery, we want to know what their functional status is. I could clear you for surgery, right. which have different risks, high right. risk, medium risk, or low risk surgeries. Mm -hmm. But based on your functional status, I could tell you whether or not you're going to make it through that surgery okay. Even with your risk factors of diabetes and hypertension. Mm -hmm. Okay, mm -hmm. I know you could do certain things based on the surgery time. I know you could get through that surgery okay. But if you don't do anything, now you come into my world and we start doing stress testing ah. and all this other stuff to try to figure out okay. what is the risk that we're looking at here. That that was I'm glad you said way that way because my my question to you now is how does a patient even get to you? Well, I'm going to back up. I'm sorry. Let's back up even <laughs> further. I really wanted us to kind of break down the umbrella, mm -hmm. so to speak, of heart disease. Okay. And we could okay. really hone in on heart disease, so to speak. So when you say heart disease in a practitioner's mind, what are you thinking? I know that's a huge question a for huge you. huge umbrella. Okay, you have. But what are some some basics? Okay, we could break it down into two main things. Mm -hmm. When we start talking about heart, we start talking about pumps, okay, and electricity. Okay. Okay. You either have one of the two that's going wrong. Mm 
Mm. Okay, it's very simple from an engineering standpoint. Yes. It's either a pump issue or it's an electricity issue. Okay. Now, what affects these two things can be a lot of different things. Mm. The one thing that we mostly talk about is coronary artery disease. Yeah. Okay, so the development of plaque or cholesterol in the arteries of the heart, which the heart then doesn't get enough blood flow and mm-hmm. then starts to have changes either becoming weak or becoming electrically unstable. Okay, so either the pump is failing, becoming weak, mm-hmm. or it's be the electricity Circuitry. being... Circuitry. Right. Mm-hmm. So now you have other things that could affect that as far mm-hmm. as thyroids and, mm-hmm. you know, we start talking about the atrial fibrillations, right. the atrial flutters, the major, which is probably more prevalent than the ventricular tachycardias, which is means that the bottom part of the heart is beating erratically and on its own. And the problem with that, it beats so fast that it doesn't have time to fill and then your body doesn't get enough blood flow. Mm-hmm. But um, essentially, electrical issues or pump issues. Okay. okay. Um, so when we start breaking it down, we start talking about the risk factors that cause these two things to happen, okay. whether it be hypertension. Mm-hmm. We call that uh, cardiovascular disease. Okay. We talk about um, atrial fibrillation, mm-hmm. which can come from stretching of the heart okay. due to increased pressure. Alcohol, um, thyroids, mm-hmm. stuff of that nature, or maybe just be a genetic thing. Okay. You have a wall, you have a room here that's enclosed, you start stretching the wall that has wires that go through it, you start having shorts. And so that's a good the amazing good. part of the heart that all cells of the heart have the capability of creating that heartbeat. We have a central area that sort of just sort of guides everybody. Mm-hmm. But if that fails, the other areas can take over if they need to. There are fail-safes along the way. Once you stretch that wall and the communication is not coming, then someone is saying, I, I want to beat. I'm not seeing anything coming to me, so I'm going to beat. So then you got this one going, you got this one going, you got this one going. And they're going to 300 times a minute. So there's no conductor. No conductor. Nobody's conducting right. the orchestra. Which could lead to heart failure mm-hmm. of a nature of it's just becoming burnt out and weak and what have you. Okay. So um, when we start talking about the umbrella, we start talking about risk factors. We have to uh-huh. talk about risk right. factors. Smoking, diabetes, genetics, cholesterol, age, stuff like that. Okay. That sort of lend itself to the bigger picture of heart failure, whether it be from not getting enough blood flow or just being burnt out and tired. Okay. Okay. Or being too thick. Mm. Okay. Hypertension, the silent killer. Yes. Yes. Okay. Um, Can't feel it. Got to pay attention. Got to see somebody to know where it is. You can't just walk down the street and a light's going to go off. Hey, I think you have hypertension. Right. You just don't know. Plenty of people walking around with blood pressures in the 190s when the normals or optimal should be somewhere around 120. Mm-hmm. Um, and when you have this excess load on the heart, then, like I said, it it tries to compensate, tries to compensate, tries mm-hmm. to compensate. And the way it does that, it gets thicker, 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 thicker. Just like lifting weights. Mm-hmm. You lift mm-hmm. weights, your muscles grow. Right. If it has to pump against that pressure all the time, it starts to thicken up. Good thing. Because it needs to continue to do what it needs to do, but not meant to happen continuously. Okay? It's like a water balloon. The heart accepts blood from the lungs and from the rest of the body, from the left and the right side, respectively. 
as it comes in, it sort of stretches like a water balloon and then pushes out that blood to where it needs to go. That compliance where it can stretch is the thing that you want to maintain. But as you get thicker, it's like going from a thin steak to a fillet. Which one can you bend easier? The thin, the thin one. So it's able to stretch and do what it needs to do and, and accommodate. Accommodate. This is what you're talking about. Those fails, the, you know, going in your 50s now and right. the body right. just can't do it anymore. Now we can't accept any more blood. So where's it going to do? It's going to traffic jam into the lungs. You get short of breath. Wow. Okay. The pressures go up. It can't get out of there. Pressures on the right side of the heart is somewhere around 25 normally. Okay. Left side is about 120. You can see mm -hmm. the difference mm -hmm. between mm -hmm. how much force it has to generate. Once that force starts going back into the lung system, you can't handle it. By the time you start getting swelling in the legs, yes, it's, a, it, it's already stuff has already been happening. That's late, you know. You don't want it because your body has tried to compensate, compensate, hey, I'm trying to protect you from that. Now you have times when you have spontaneous rupture of muscles and mm. valves and right, things of that nature. Right. That's rare. Okay. As compared to it being the run-of-the-mill things that we can change. Things that we can things change. Things that we can change to prevent ourselves from going down that road. So, wow. Um, Breaking down coronary disease in itself is 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 an interesting term because you have I know a lot of times patients don't want to see the doctor because of what they fear mm. they may be told or how many medications they may have to take or they may say at this point I want to be natural I want to go <laughs> naturopathic yes. I hear that too. Uh -huh. I have good friends that yes. hate doctors. <laughs> I mean, best friends. Okay. So I can't believe I'm friends with them. <laughs> but anyway, he says, you know, I know you don't believe in this stuff, but I said, it's not that I don't believe in it. It's just that by the time you come see me, you're so far down the road that that's not something that could turn you around easily. You could do that stuff. In addition to what I'm going to tell you what you need, what studies have shown that work, we haven't even gotten into the disparities of studies. I but that's, that's a whole <laughs> right. conversation. But um, it, it is, I mean, you yeah. work with what you have, exactly. basically. Exactly. But what they've shown to be helpful um, and not helpful at that point that you see me, that's not that's your not focus. That's not your only. That's not your focus right now. That's when you're 13, 14, 15, early mm. 20s. Do all of that stuff. So you never have to come see me. I see. I, my goal is for you never to see me. I see. Okay. But if you do. <laughs> then we are on we, another path. We're on a different path. We're yeah. so far down the road that. We really have to do some major right. intervention. Right. To right. get ourselves Back. turned around. Turned around. And you may be ending up where you're just sort of maintaining. Mm -hmm. Rather than getting back to, hey, now I feel like I'm 22 again. But at the same time, you're not declining anymore. That's it. You know, That's it. We had a saying in the American um, Association of Black Cardiologists, parents should not be burying their children. That's a powerful statement. Parents should not be burying their children. Dr. Andrews has given us some homework to do. He is admonishing us to 
sit down and start looking back over our risk factors. He has admonished us to start moving. He's given us some practical information, practical tools that we can start today. You can get up and you can move. You can walk down the street if you're in that situation. There are some everyday lifestyle opportunities that we have that we can make some informed, intelligent decisions. I want to also challenge you, get either a notebook or use your voice recorder on your phone. Start documenting certain symptoms. It may not mean anything or it may mean your life. Dr. Andrew said to me in the beginning of our interview before we started taping, he said, I tell my patients all the time, you are my best investigator. Because if you tell me everything, even if it seems insignificant, I can then map out a course of action and we can become partners in whole person care. In the next segment, he really starts pulling things together, giving us some real life situations. And I'm really excited for him to delve more into, the, into this, this pump. So I'm going to step out the way. Let's continue this conversation. Let's connect these dots. And let's finish this straight talk. 